don't want a bag of nuts. And I don't want your nuts in a bag. Oh, jeez. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Geordie. How does it feel to be 100? 101, you mean? Yeah, that's true. 101. Yep, 101 today. And actually, we've got a few more lovely messages from our late comers who wanted to say happy 101st episode. (laughs) (laughs) So here's a few little messages from some other eavesdroppers. In fact, we've got some messages from the lovely French contingent, which is Anna and Fran. So take it away, Fran. about eavesdropping. Geordie, you've got a really quick wit and I love your batshit funny voices and all those impersonations that you do, especially on the jingles. And Michelle, I love that whatever time zone you're in, it's cocktail hour. I don't know how you manage that, but I think it's genius. (laughs) She's not wrong. It is always cocktail hour. I know, I know. Honestly, I'm hungover right now. What? Not again. Yes. But do you know what? Life's for living. True, Michelle. That's right. That's true. In it. So we ought to just live it. Well, do you know what? I did uh, have a little message exchange with Neil, the scientist, okay. who said, the jingle seems so polished. Oh. <laughs> I, d- I think he might have been taking the piss. Right. Okay. But anyway, thank you, Neil. Thanks the anyway, Neil. Yes. <laughs> I mean... Would people like them if they were more polished? It's possible. It just might take a bit longer. I like the rough edges. I like the naivety of the jingles. Me too. He also sent me a link to this band. There's this Australian band, a bit like the Chats. I don't know if you remember them. Uh, The Chats, the one who sang about Smoko? Smoko. Yeah, they need Smoko. There's a girl version of them. Oh. Are they called eavesdropping? (laughs) No. I reckon that should be us, really. I don't know. They're called like premenstrual wave or something. I don't oh know. Oh, God. Anyway, they have a song that he sent me a link to called You Fingered Me Weird. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sing about what you know, girls. Sing about what you know. Fair enough. Bring it to the table. Inspiration comes in all forms. <laughs> it's lovely to talk about Australia. It sounds like you and I miss Australia terribly. I know I do. I haven't been there for about five years. But I've got some news from Down Under, Michelle, and I'm sure you've heard it. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about because it was sending Australia into a massive buzz this week. Well, everybody's talking about it. Oh, in the UK too? Yeah. Should we reveal what we're talking about here? Well, I think everybody knows that we're going to be talking about the trial and subsequent guilty verdict of Chris Dawson. Yes. Who was made famous from the Australian podcast Teacher's Pet by journalist Hedley Thomas. And they finally caught the killer of poor Lynette Dawson. It was her husband all along, as was speculated, 40 years later. Caught by a podcast. <laughs> well, look, for anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about, because, you know, we may have new eavesdroppers who have just decided to eavesdrop on us for the very first time so if you don't know what we're it's talking possible. about yes yeah. we've been obsessed with the lynn dawson lynette dawson case 
um, it was an Australian cold case. First hit the headlines, as you said, after the Australian newspaper did a podcast called Teacher's Pet, which not only exposed this pedophile ring by the PE teachers. So creepy. Yuck. Yeah, disgusting. It also brought to light this whole bizarre case of Lynette Dawson, who in 1982 went missing without a trace. She left her husband and small children behind. And the husband, Chris Dawson, has insisted, as you said, for 40 years, she just upped and left. You know, ran off to a religious with a religious cult or something. Which is why he moved his teenage babysitter in practically the next before day. she even went missing. Yeah. It's amazing that the power of a podcast can spark an investigation into yeah. this. And now, obviously, as we were talking about, he's he went to trial and he was found guilty of his wife's murder. murder. He's 74 years old. Dude's got away with it for so long, you know. And I feel like it's not justice for his family because he won't reveal where the body is, how that family must be feeling, you know, like they just want they just want to put her to rest. Everybody believes her to be under the pool. And I still don't think that he actually it was his hand. No, I think it was the brother. Um, Are we going to get in trouble? Are we going to get in trouble for that? (laughs) I actually think he paid someone. But nevertheless, Maybe more things will be revealed. Maybe we'll never know. That's the mystery of mysteries, Michelle. That's how mysteries work. Sometimes we'll just never know. We'll never know. Apparently they've put him into isolation because they're worried for his well, well-being. Yeah. You know, Australian Australian prisoners are notorious. I mean, everyone's seen Salt Block H. You're not safe. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> You're true. not safe. What else has been happening, Michelle, in the world? I've been reading reading online well that's good good for your eyes good for the brain can i just apologize to any eavesdroppers who ever see me and wave and i don't wave back i literally don't see you my (laughs) eyes have become so bad are you getting people like waving at you in the street saying hi i love eavesdropping i don't get that yeah (laughs) it's michelle it's michelle from eavesdropping i know we love her don't think much of the other one where's she who cares (laughs) (laughs) we all care geordie we all care very much. But I've been reading, mm. as I said. And look, you know that I get crazy if I start talking about privacy. Privacy, yeah. So obviously when I saw this story, I thought I need to tell Geordie about this. Because oh God. you use TikTok to create all our social media posts. Yes, yeah. yeah. So there's a researcher in Vienna called Felix Kraus. And I think that's a fantastic name. But anyway. Yeah. He published a report last week saying that he's discovered that when you download the TikTok app onto your phone, yeah, it, without your consent, without anything, it puts code in your phone huh? that not, yeah, it's like stealthware. It's almost like malware. Huh? It puts code into your phone that not only tracks your TikTok usage, but every keystroke you make on your phone, which means your browsing behavior is tracked stroke by stroke. Not just what I do in TikTok? Yes. What? Which one? On my phone or on TikTok? Both. It tracks everything you do on TikTok and literally everything you do on your phone. Oh. It's a virus. 
Because if it had been tracking all my TikTok usage, it would just see that I only hashtag things like real life, true crime, supernatural. <laughs> hashtag eavesdropping. No, but this is the really fucking scary thing about TikTok is that all your browsing behavior is tracked. So your credit card info, usernames, passwords. Shit. They're all susceptible to being spied on through this covert TikTok Barker. thing that they, they've put in your phone. And obviously, TikTok are denying it, saying, oh, oh, it could be an accidental thing. We we don't know about that. We accidentally spied on you. Yeah. This guy, Felix Krauss, is like, come on. This is not a mistake or random. It's an active well, choice made by the company to track its users. So what happens if I if I delete it now? It's insidious. It's t- It takes a lot Thin. to get rid of it. A lot. If you've downloaded TikTok onto your computer, I'll put a link in the show notes about how you can take that malware off your computer. But on your phone, it's really fucking hard. I've got TikTok on my phone, you know. Everyone's downloaded the app, so we're fucked. (laughs) All is lost. The Chinese company that owns TikTok is called ByteDance and it openly acknowledges that as a company – they do mine user data. So, you know, it's not hard to put two and two together here. Basically, TikTok Finder is a bogus browser extension, which they say promises your to enhance your TikTok experience, but actually it's it's just manipulating what you see, tracking you. So the experts are warning that the company could weaponize the information gathered on US digital behavior. Weaponize? Yeah. How does that happen well because they can see what users are looking at and they can use it against you how though what if you're looking at bad porn or something i just think you can weaponize things in in many different ways and especially they've got us digital behavior they're looking at trends basically people people uh, if you don't need tiktok just don't download it on your phone if you don't need it and too late for those of us who have what do you reckon hmm how about no so you know how we were talking about the glaciers in Switzerland that are yes, all melting. exposing and, all the Neanderthalic secrets. Yeah, bodies popping up out of the deep freeze. And by the way, actually, they still have not identified any of those bodies yet. But I will definitely keep all of you eavesdroppers up to date when they do. But I read this article about a state park in Texas called Dinosaur Valley. And it's called that because it's known for having dinosaur bones and remains found and whatever basically they're going through a drought at the moment and last week the river that runs through the park dried up the whole thing yeah and when the riverbed was exposed they found dinosaur tracks from 113 (gasps) million years ago oh my god that's insane yeah it's crazy they believe the tracks to belong to two different types of dinosaur a theropod Acrocanthosaurus. Acrocanthosaurus. Well done, Michelle. Thank you. I had to spell that out syllable by syllable. And they think this one was about 15 feet tall, weighed seven tons, and had two legs, short arms, long jaw. Oh, the old short arms, long jaw. It didn't work well for them, did it, in the end? No, well, they're gone. They're gone. (laughs) It's all that's left is this big footprint. And the other one, they said... They think belongs to a Sauroposeidon dinosaur. They think that one stood 60 feet tall. Good gracious. Compare that to something. Is that like a double-storey building? 
About 18, 19 metres. Okay. Still doesn't. <laughs> I still can't imagine anything that's 20 metres, 19 metres long. Oh. I do know how long like four metres is in fabric because I've been measuring fabric recently. Your husband's about two metres, right? Okay. So how many of him? Five. No. More than that. Ten of Nine. him. Nine. Nine of him. <laughs> okay. Nine of him. So that's pretty tall. <laughs> okay. Nine. I would hate to have nine of him. Nine times the trouble. <laughs> I'm joking. Nine times the love. <laughs> oh, well, that's interesting, Michelle. Wow, that's incredible. All this extreme weather is revealing all sorts of shit all over the world. So people keep your eyes peeled. This is the second time I've used that phrase today. Keep your eyes peeled. It's not a very yeah. nice saying, is no, it? No, don't peel the eyes. Don't, don't peel, peel your the eyes. eyeballs. It's not no. nice. I guess what they mean is peel back the lids. Ooh, even that sounds bad. Oh, my God. No. (laughs) Awkward. Ox. So what are we talking about today, Michelle? We do have a subject matter, don't we? Yes, we do. And one of my favourite topics. Have a guess. It's aliens. I know what it is. I don't have to guess. I knew. But listen, Michelle, Michelle, it's interesting to me that they are your favourite topic because with my research that I've done today, it's kind of thrown up a bit of a question about why do people believe in aliens? Why do they believe the stories that we hear of abduction and sightings? Well, not everyone believes. (laughs) No, not everyone does. But why does a certain person believe in alien abduction as opposed to the people who really just don't? It's, saying, it's similar to, for example, the people who believe in certain conspiracy theories that are out there at the moment or in the past. Are you saying I'm prone to magical thinking? Well, I'm not oh. sure. I mean, the jury's out on my side about whether or not aliens exist as well. I just think we have to have an open mind. I, I, you know, sure. I have not done a psychological deep dive into why people believe in aliens. But I do think that, A... It is so unlikely that we are the only living beings, sentient beings in this entire universe. I just think it's unlikely. And B, there have been so many people seeing something. Yeah. And I don't know that it's just mass hysteria. We've talked about false memories and memory implanting and all that kind of stuff over over the last 100 episodes. 101. Do I believe in aliens? Not 100% conclusively, but I love talking about them and I love the idea that they could be out there. I do love the stories and I love the conviction with which people vehemently so convinced that they've seen it. They all, and that famous phrase, I know what I saw. I know what I saw. And a lot of the abductees that I researched for this episode went to their deaths still believing that they had been abducted by aliens. I do not know how we missed this because, well, July this year marked the 75th anniversary of Roswell. Oh, Roswell. That's a great TV series from the 90s. Is it great? I never watched it. No, <laughs> it was shit. It actually just really put me off. And the thing is, yeah. I think that's probably why over the past 100 episodes, We've never really talked about Roswell. Possibly because of that TV series. I think so because it's been so overhyped and and I do think that TV series could have been quite shit and all of that honestly just kind of turned me off the whole Roswell thing. So I don't really know too much about Roswell more than UFOs, alien autopsies. But then I did think maybe it's time we did take 
a brief look at it, considering it was 75 years ago. Okay, let's do that. Well, instead of going into the ins and outs of Roswell, I've just got a few tidbits for you, Geordie. Okay. A few titty bitties. I love it when you get your titbits out. <laughs> Shout out to your titbits. I am first going to sum up Roswell a bit in a nutshell, just to give it all a little bit of context. People get it misconstrued with Area 51, which is in Nevada, and something totally different. Roswell, in fact, is in New Mexico, isn't it? It certainly is. And on July 8, in 1947, a newspaper in Roswell ran a story about the US military confirming that they had found broken bits of wreckage from a crashed and I'm doing inverted commas here, flying disc, that they had found in Roswell a few weeks earlier, is what they said. So a few weeks earlier, but people say it wasn't a few weeks. Now, the following day after the newspaper ran this article, the US Air Force ran a statement in the same paper saying that what they'd found was actually debris from a weather balloon and that the wreckage was just metal and rubber, strips and foil and whatnot. But it was too late. The story had gone global and people latched onto it. There's this former NASA historian called Roger Launius who reckons that the whole story was actually just a red herring to deflect attention away from Project Mogul. Have you heard about Project Mogul? Yes. Okay. It's a uh, US military top secret project looking at high altitude reconnaissance air balloons which were apparently twice as tall as the Statue of Liberty, which when I looked that up, the Statue of Liberty is 93 metres high. How many paddies is that? I don't, a lot of fucking paddies. But anyway, this balloon would have been fucking massive. And the reason they were being developed was so the US could spy on Soviet Russia's atomic bomb program. Honestly, the flaw in this is if you've got a big fucking massive balloon in the sky, you think Russia's not going to see that? Anyway, (laughs) let's not forget, this is also 1947, right at the start of the Cold War. Yes, and at the end of World War II. Yes. I guess technology wasn't advanced. Maybe they really were looking at this whole weather balloon thing. I don't know. But either way, the cat was out of the bag, either for whether it was a weather balloon or it's aliens. And the thing is, the US military basically said in that newspaper article, it was aliens. And from there, it just went ballistic. And honestly, look at us. We're still talking about it 75 years later. So it shows that something about this incident just caught on all around the world. So that's sort of Roswell in a nutshell. In a bag. In a nut bag. (laughs) In a nut bag. Jesus what? I don't want a bag of nuts Someone. and I don't want <laughs> your nuts in a bag. Oh, jeez, I've got to stop talking about nuts. What's going I on? I don't know. I got excited about a nut bag anyway. A bag of nuts. Right, I'm talking about this guy that I read about called Jesse Marcel III, who is the grandson of Major Jesse Marcel, who, you know, a few months ago on the 75th anniversary of Roswell, came out saying that his grandfather was the first person to examine the wreckage from that alleged UFO crash in Roswell back in 1947. Mm -hmm. And that apparently, like you just said, he insisted right up until he passed away in 1986 that the whole thing was aliens and that it really was an extraterrestrial UFO that was found and that he had to cover it up. Everyone who came out over the years who say they saw alien bodies 
were actually telling the truth. Oh my this God. is what the grandson is saying. And more than that, Jesse Marcel III reckons that there are still pieces of UFO wreckage from that crash landing out there in the New Mexico desert. Well, all we need is another extreme weather event to reveal all that, I'm sure. Really? And that's the thing, like bodies in the glacier, dinosaurs in Texas, riverbeds that are drying up. Wait till the aliens start revealing themselves from the ground up. Oh my God, that actually is terrifying. It turns out the granddad, Jesse Sr., was an intelligence officer for the US 509th Bomb Group. And he was sent to the scene of the crash in 47 to investigate it and bring whatever bits of wreckage he found back to the army base for analysis. Thing is, on the way back to the army base, he went home because he had all these bits of freaking UFO wreckage and he's like, I'm going to show my son. So right. Jesse Marcel II saw all this weird shit that he found and he told his son at the time what he was looking at were pieces of a flying saucer. And apparently the grandson, Jesse Marcel III, said, and these are his words, my father was 11 or 12 at the time and my grandfather came home at about 2 a.m. and woke him and my grandmother up and said, I want to show you something. And when they came out, they saw the kitchen, in the kitchen, just a bunch of junk all over the place. And my grandma was like, why'd you mess up my well, kitchen? Well, you that bloody mess. <laughs> and then he says, my grandfather said, you guys look at this and see if you see anything that looks familiar to you or if there are anything that looks like it fits together. And they apparently messed around with this stuff for a couple of hours and they didn't see anything that resembled the technology of the time there. And wow. nothing that could okay. really fit together. Yeah. And his grandfather said at the time, this is a flying saucer. Then his family reckoned that Jesse Sr. then took all the bits back to the army base and was then ordered to cover the incident up and pretend the crash was a weather balloon. Full transparency. I did get this info from the sun. So, uh, okay. <laughs> you know. But they didn't make it up. They got it from somewhere as well. Well, they, they spoke to Jesse Marcel three because he oh, did okay. an interview with them and he told them that his grandfather would always tell him bits and pieces about the Roswell crash and then say that there was loads more to tell, but he wasn't allowed to reveal it. And what really went on, and he was always really careful about what he said to his son and his grandkids because he was worried that if he said the wrong thing, the family could become targets for revealing military secrets. Oh, okay, yeah. Thing is, apparently there were two crash sites, one with all the wreckage and the other one was where the alien bodies were found which allegedly the U.S. government autopsies and conducted experiments on. But he apparently always insisted that the wreckage they found was from an alien aircraft or flying saucer. And apparently he'd always say to his kids and grandkids that while he directly did not see any alien bodies, he said he knew first responders who did. Right. He worked with them. They were all part of the the military. Back to Jesse Hmm. Marcel III. He says he grew up hearing these stories about the like Roswell wreckage from both his dad, who died in 2013, and his grandfather, and that Jesse Sr. had brought home bits of spaceship for Jesse to play with, including this thing called an I-beam, which are small rods of metal with these like purple hieroglyphic-looking symbols on them. And both Jesse hmm. too and Jesse Sr. said the debris was made from metal that was as light as the foil in cigarette packets, yet you could not dent it. It was just unable to be dented. And I think this is what they were talking about when they said it was like no technology they had at the time. 
Yeah. Now, apparently that night the eye beams that Jesse too played with yeah. are what people are still going crazy about today and that there have been replicas made showing these weird symbols. However, the replicas have been made based on the memories that were taken from hypnosis sessions and his diary at the time of this is Jesse too, the dad. Right. Okay. And we all know that hypnosis is is not particularly reliable. So I don't know. Yeah, a little flawed. Because you know, yeah. you think back to Teal Swan. She says she was in a cult while she was a shit hot model. Hypnosis, I don't know. Could be a flaw in the story there. Yeah. But look, I looked up these eye beams and they look a bit like a magic wand. You know, they look a bit Harry Potter. But anyway, the interesting okay. thing about them is that Jesse Three said when his father found this rod of metal in the wreckage in the kitchen he took it closer to a light for a better look and he noticed it that if you looked at it in one ang- angle, it was nothing. But then if you flipped it a little bit, all these symbols would appear. So wow. not like a hologram, but he said it, he'd never seen anything like it. The dad and the granddad assumed that it was some kind of alien language on the rod. Anyway, one of the reasons uh, Jesse Marcel three is speaking out right now about all of this a, is because yeah. it's the... 75th anniversary of Roswell but B he's apparently got a documentary series he's working on where he's going back to where his granddad said the first crash site was and he's trying to find missing bits of the wreckage from the alien crash so he has got a bit of a he's trying to garner a little bit of interest for his documentary bit of publicity but Clearly, he wouldn't be going out, going there without actually having some info. Yeah, and, you know, at least there is a connection for why he's... He's not just a yeah. UFO hunter, you know. He's he's trying to piece things together connected to his, his dad and grandfather. And yeah. I don't know the name of this. If I find it, I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes. There was a British UFO researcher in 2020 called Philip Mantle who said he had it on good authority. Yes. You've heard of Philip Mantle? He comes up in my story later on. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, he says that he had it on good authority that Jesse Senior had kept three pieces. The who? Jesse Senior. Jesse Marcel Senior, like the, the original granddad. Yeah, the military man. Military man. He reckons Jesse Senior kept three bits of this UFO from back in 1947 and stored them in a hot water heater at his home in Louisiana. And what happened to them? Well, Jesse Three reckons his granddad didn't keep any of the bits. So how does Mantle know this then? Because Mantle says he's got it on good authority from someone who knows the gran- who knew the granddad. So it's a bit tenuous to me. Let's put a pin in Philip Mantle because I've got a lot of questions about that guy. Interesting. Because that seems like tenuous kind of it's very tenuous doesn't it like here. he just appeared in your story yeah but I think there's some I think we need to look more into Philip Mantle UFO British UFO specialist right and publisher uh so Jesse three reckons his granddad didn't keep any of the stuff that was on the kitchen table but he does think that he could have been given an I-beam from his granddad's seniors Comanche Blanche Blanchard, who came to the house to play bridge apparently one night and had one of the I-beams with him and that maybe he left it with the grandfather. I don't know. It's all a bit much. And the thing is... They're all getting a bit fast and loose, aren't they? These commanders and military men and like throwing bits of metal here, there and everywhere and bringing I-beams home to muck around with during card games and whatnot. 
Oh, a bit cavalier. It is. And the thing is that they can't even go back to the Louisiana house to look in this boiler because apparently it was destroyed in Katrina. So the um, house is gone. I mean, convenient or, I mean, obviously it's not convenient. What are you saying? That the aliens brought Katrina or, no, or the military no. cloud seeded? No, 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 no. Convenient that Philip Mantle talked about a house that's no longer there. That's what I mean. How would Philip Mantle gain from saying that? Does he have another book out? Well, is he got? Is he trying to push somebody else's documentary? I don't know. Or is it to just give himself validity and authority in his genre mm. of study or whatever? You know, like does he want to be known as like the leader in his field? And oh, I've got this exclusive info. I don't know. I mean, we may be talking about him in such kind of disdain, but actually, he might be the Richard Attenborough. Is it Richard? David Attenborough. He might be the David Attenborough of UFO studies. Who knows? Look, ultimately, Jesse Jesse Marcel reckons that his grandfather was debriefed by military bosses and told to cover up the incident, especially as when Jesse III looked into military records at the time. He found that his grandfather had two weeks of leave during those dates directly after Roswell. That wasn't a family holiday. And in fact, it was noticed that he went on leave. Did I say noticed? It was noted that he went on leave with some of his commanders. And when he got back, he told Jesse Three's dad and grandmother that basically Roswell didn't happen. No one saw anything. They were never allowed to talk to anyone about it. Thing is, Jesse Three says he believes his granddad did not gain financially from anything to do with Roswell and has absolutely no reason to lie about any of it. And he insists that his granddad knows what he saw. It's that same line we always hear. Basically, Jesse Three says that as head of intelligence, his granddad's job was to investigate and cover it up. Really, no one knows the truth. And maybe we never will, a little bit like Lynn Mm. Dawson, especially when it comes to the whole alien autopsies thing. Because there's another article I read where a retired cop has come out to say that he saw dead alien bodies being lifted up with a crane and removed from the scene on the night of the Roswell UFO crash. Oh. Yeah. My God. Well, where was he? Well, he's a former deputy sheriff called Charles H. Forgus of Howard County in Texas. Now, he says he was traveling to Roswell that night to pick up a prisoner on July 2, 1947. He heard on police radio there was a weird crash. There was so much commotion on the police radio that he was like, fuck, something big's happened. He better go there. Yeah, and he made a detour and that's Mm. how he got the location. He, he didn't just drive past. He really, he was just rubbernecking. And even though he was meant to be picking up a prisoner, he made a little detour to see what was going on at this Roswell crash site. And what he says he saw was four alien bodies with big eyes and brownish coloured skin being hauled away by the US military. Ew. I know. And he says when he got to the crash site, it was crawling with like, over 400 military personnel and when he tried to get a good look at what was going on he and Mm -hmm. his police partner weren't allowed to get super close to the action and in fact the military were actively keeping people away but he says he saw stuff and he says the ufo had already crashed and it was and and these are his words 
a big round thing <laughs> about a hundred <laughs> feet in diameter. And again, these are his words. He says he saw the lights go out on it when it banged into the wall in a creek. I don't know what that means. Hang on. Wait a sec. You're saying now that he saw the crash. He'd see no, it had already crashed. And then yeah. and then he saw the lights go out on it. When? And he says it was banged into the wall in the creek. So I guess the creek wall, I don't really know what that means. So he turned up after the crash, yet he still saw lights going out? So maybe there were lights on it and then... Oh, okay. While he was there. Yeah. Maybe that's what it was. And then he said this thing was like a mountain on the side of the creek. Whoa. Yeah. And when it comes to seeing alien bodies, he said, and this is his words, I think I've seen about four of them. I saw that only four in that huge mountain. Well, he said he saw the legs and feet on some of them. And he said they looked like oh. our feet. Oh, our feet. Not. I thought you said Alfie for a second there. Do you remember that TV <laughs> show Alf with the, the alien that lives with a family? Oh, my God. And it just looked it just looked like, like Alf. Alf. <laughs> I, thought you, I thought you thought I said owl feet. No, it's Alf. <laughs> it looked just like Alf. <laughs> They got it right. <laughs> Jesus. Which is just a big hairy puppet. Yeah. Oh, no, I shouldn't laugh. It looked like Poor human aliens. feet. So maybe it were it was wow. a human feet. But anyway, he said, we saw them haul them bodies out of there, out of the canyon, up to the trucks. Sorry, I have to do an American accent. I don't know why. What is the accent? It's terrible. Wow. Okay, go on. They were putting them on the tow trucks so they could haul them. They were lifting them up with a crane that they had and picking them up and swinging them to put them on the truck. The bodies must have been oh. five feet tall. My height. Mm-hmm. Um, their eyes look like the ones we see on television and the pictures of them. Hang on. Sorry, I've got a question. I'm so sorry to interrupt you, but what does he mean by the ones we see on television? I don't know. Because it's 1947. How many shows about aliens are there in 1947? Oh, there were a few. don't know. No? I don't think so. When did he give this interview? No, he gave this interview now. Oh, okay. So he's in reflection. He's saying since then. Yes. Okay. Sorry to interrupt. Carry on. Carry on. And he says, as much as I could tell, the skin was a brownish color like they were in the sun too long. He says, I don't know where they hauled them. Mm -hmm. They might have hauled them to the hospital or somewhere. And again, this dude is a straight-laced Texan deputy who back in 1947, he would have had to face a lot of shit for having all this alien talk. But he stood by it. And once again, he says he knows what he saw. There was another article I read where a guy called Glenn Dennis, who worked at a funeral home in Roswell in 1947, says he was asked by military personnel from Walker Army Airfield for child-sized coffins. And he was also asked for advice on how to preserve dead bodies. This was after the UFO crash. After. They asked him how many child-sized coffins he had in stock. And when he said he only had one, they were like, how soon can you get more? And when he said it would take a couple of days, the military was like, too slow. We need them now. Then they ran back and asked him how to preserve a body to keep it intact without using chemicals. And he was like, use dry ice. Now, whether or not it was to preserve alien bodies, I don't know. But the guy says it was a weird request and he's never had any requests before or since like it. Yeah. And this dude, Glenn Dennis, also says that he knew a nurse 
who confided in him that she had to oversee one of the alien autopsies at the airfield. Whoa. Is it a case of aliens? Did they really crash? Did the military cover it up? Is the whole thing mass hysteria? I don't know. But that's what I got for you. Happy anniversary, Roswell. Wow, that's amazing, Michelle. Can I just quickly ask, though, about the child-sized coffins? Are they cheaper, do you think? Because you could do well out of that. (laughs) Do you know what? This idea of being dead and dying and what happens, it's been on my mind a lot lately. And I have said, put me in a cardboard box and burn me. I don't want you to spend money. When I am dead, it's just my body left. That's all. Don't put me in a coffin. Cardboard's fine. Cardboard. Wicker baskets are fine. Don't go and put them in fancy polished mahogany with brass plates and stuff. They're only going to get buried. It's weird. Well, I don't want to be buried. I just want to be burned. And I don't even give a shit what you do with my ashes because really... Well, I do. You care about where yours go? No, I care about where yours go. I don't want to have to come across them suddenly like I did recently, a big box, a big heavy box. Or wreck off your dag. Piss off. No, I can bury you. fucked. See, See you next Tuesday. Tuesday. Give me black dog up. Yeah. So I've got some stories, as I hinted earlier, Michelle, about alien abduction. And I'm going to start here in the US of A. Not here, there in the US of A. <laughs> there was a story about two fishermen. And this fisherman claims that he was abducted by aliens 50 years ago and that he was warned during this abduction about the COVID-19 pandemic, which he now refers to as the plague. Hmm. Now, his name is Calvin Parker, and he says that until now he's been keeping these visions to himself, but now he fears his claims are coming true. Now, this is from the India Times, strangely enough, about this American story, and it was in February of this year, 2022. Okay. Calvin Parker is his name, and he says that, like I said, his name is Calvin Parker. I've said that four times (laughs) now. The incident is known as the Pascagoula abduction of 1973. And what happened was Calvin and his friend Charles Hickson, who was much older than Calvin. Calvin was 19. Charles Hickson was, I think, 42. They said they were abducted by aliens while they were fishing at Pascagoula in Mississippi. And Charles and Calvin went to the police straight away afterwards and reported it. And they reported that they heard whirring, whizzing sounds, two flashing lights they saw in the sky, observed an oval-shaped object 30 to 40 feet across, 8 to 10 feet high. And they said they were conscious but paralysed throughout it, Hmm. while three creatures with robotic slit mouths, like a robot, and lobster-like claws with carrot-like noses and ears. Now, were they having hunger dreams, I was wondering at this point? Were they just really hungry and thinking about, mmm, yummy, what can I eat? Lobster, ooh, carrots, mmm. But it sounds like the Tin Man mixed with a scarecrow. Do you know what I, I mean? It's, it's just, just weird. There's pictures. There is a, there's a drawing somewhere. Uh, they're about 1.5 metres tall, one and a half metres. That's tall, isn't it? 1.5 metres? Yeah. That's my height. Oh, that's your height. They're always five feet. It's always five feet, isn't it? Do you think I'm an alien? <laughs> Yes. Pale grey, wrinkled skin and looked a bit human, but with no neck. So they're quite different to the usual alien that you Mm. hear about. So these odd looking creatures took them aboard the ship and subjected them to an examination. And 
Similar to Whitley Strieber, Calvin said that he was shown terrible events from mankind's past, present and future, including visions of the pandemic and World War III. And he thinks, now he's speaking out now, he says he thinks God is teaching humanity a lesson by bestowing this plague upon us. He believes in God, yet he also believes he was abducted by aliens. I think they're a bit of a, I think they kind of cancel each other out, don't they? Anyway, so he believes that God sent the pandemic and it's going to get much worse from what he was shown during his abduction. He also said that his vision of World War III that he was shown at the time during his abduction is coming true in light of the Russia-Ukraine war. Now, Calvin has a book out. Of course he does. It's called Pascagoula, The Closest Encounter. And his publisher is none other, Michelle, than that person we put a pin in earlier, our British UFO specialist investigator, Mr. Philip Mantle, right? who I'm very interested about. Now, I was going to do some more research on him, and now I wish I had. But he says that Calvin's, because he's always the spokesperson, isn't he, Philip Mantle? He's always speaking out for people. So just like he said that somebody had something in their washroom, an eye beam in their washroom, he now says that Calvin struggles with what he calls a curse. He feels that his experiences were a curse that were bestowed upon him, and he doesn't like to talk about it much. Really? Could have fooled me. (laughs) He's got a book out. (laughs) He's reluctant to discuss it, though. So Calvin says he had cancer, but he has recovered. And he said that he also had a near-death experience on board this spacecraft. He said that his blood had been drained and replaced with an unknown substance that probably caused his illness later on in life. Well, that could be easily tested. Just saying. Yeah. He also said he's had major health problems ever since and that he's only now discussing it because he feels the world ought to know that there's something else out there. He feels like his time on Earth is coming to a close and he just thinks that he wants to know. Is there more? Mm. His friend in the experience, meanwhile, did die in 2011. Charles Hickson was 80 at the time when he died. He was 42 when the experience occurred. And after the experience, he was very active in the UFO-related arenas of TV shows, conventions. But sceptics believe the whole thing was a hoax due to the changing elements of Charles Hickson's stories. So experts say it's possible that Hickson, in reflection, may have experienced a waking dream state and that Calvin Parker's version, backing up Hickson, was probably through suggestibility. He was only 19. He had Hickson telling him all this stuff. You know, something queer did happen that night, obviously. I shouldn't say queer. I was going to say, two men on a, on a, on a, on a boat trip. <laughs> that was wrong. Calvin, well, see, Calvin initially told police that he had passed out at the beginning of the incident and failed to regain consciousness until it was over. And this was backed up by Hickson. Right. So how come he's got all these memories suddenly? Well, maybe he's had some hypnotism. Oh, maybe he was under hypnosis at the time. Who knows? So we spoke earlier during your story, Michelle, about the psychological profiles of abductees. And you said you didn't do a deep dive. Neither did I. But (laughs) I did touch lightly upon the subject and discovered that abductees have shown that in some cases, these people are more likely to dissociate they're more prone to experiencing altered states of consciousness, such as out-of-body experiences or lost time, and they're more fantasy-prone. And a combination of these things makes a person more susceptible to false memories that they feel are completely real, but still have never actually happened. Right. Yes. Yeah, so there are people out there with these tendencies as perceived and tested by psychologists, I suppose. But it's terrifying because they really believe it. Shifting away from the psychology side of things, I did wonder 
when was the first close encounter? And you've just talked about Roswell. Mm -hmm. And you've talked very much about a particular date in time. Well, 1947, in fact, according to history.com, where there's a timeline of alien activity, on this timeline, the first reported sighting of an alien ship or UFO sighting, if you like, is in 1947. And it's not Roswell. Where is it? It doesn't say in my list. It is <laughs> not necessarily at Roswell, but there's a businessman and aviator called Kenneth Arnold who saw a group of nine objects speeding alongside him at several thousand miles per hour, which moved like saucers skipping on water. And that is how they got their name, Flying Saucers. Right. The same year was the Roswell wreckage. Obviously, lots of strange activity involving the U.S. military, spy tech and operations that went on that year. Interesting. P.S. 50 years later, the military issued a statement admitting the Roswell wreckage was part of Project Mogul, which you spoke about. So that's only just come out 50 years later. Which but do is we what, believe it? 20 years before. No, not necessarily. But in 1948... There was all the other projects were launched. You know, you had Mogul that was happening in 47, at the beginning of the Cold War, the end of World War Two. Then a year later, 1948, you've got Project Sign, Project Grudge and Project Blue Book, all different versions of the same thing. Right. And we have gone into Blue Book before and I'll, Blue Book. I'll put a link in the show notes for anyone who's interested in that app. So from 52 to 69, Blue Book compiled reports of more than 12,000 sightings or events overseen by, I think his name was Heineck, Robert he- Dr. Robert Heineck, was that his name? Played yeah. by Aidan Gillen in the TV show. <laughs> it's just, let's just call him Aidan. <laughs> let's call him Aidan from now on. So, yeah, that happened. Then in the 50s and 60s, there were multiple UFO sightings reported around Area 51 in Nevada, mm-hmm. which is a site used variously by different organizations such as the US Air Force, CIA, to test flights and experimental aircraft. That's what they say they're doing anyway. Mm. Or was it used to conduct experiments on extraterrestrial life and spacecraft? Now, did you hear recently, Michelle, that there was in 2019, there was this storming of Area 51? No. It was organised as a shit post. I don't know if you've heard of that, but (laughs) it's this guy who looks like, what's the guy who says, Chrissy, wake up in Stranger Things. The chap with the long hair from the Hellfire Club, Eddie from Stranger Things. So this guy looks like Eddie from Stranger Things. His name's Marty Roberts and he put something called a shit post up, which is just somewhere to put silly memes and stuff on one of the social medias. And he wanted to organise a Burning Man style music festival in the desert around Area 51 called Alien Fest. He got in this woman who was a cafe owner from nearby Rachel, Nevada, population of 54 people. She put (laughs) loads and loads of money into this festival. And just before it happened, he pulled out and they went somewhere else. Yeah, Las Vegas instead. And God knows what happened to the poor cafe owner. But anyway... I digress. (laughs) Going back to humans being abducted, which is really my interest, area of interest for this episode. The most famously reported early incident was in 1961. And we've discussed this before. The Zeta Reticuli incident, which is Betty and Barney Hill. I love that because it does does sound like a skin condition. (laughs) It's an actual star system in our galaxy. Yeah. Neil, the scientists will know that. Yeah. And that's where she pinpointed she was, Mm -hmm. Betty. But that was only after. It took them two years to come to understand exactly what happened to them through hypnosis, right? But they did, admittedly, 
on the days after the incident occurred to them in 1961, report the incident Mm. of seeing and being chased by an unfamiliar craft and witnessing humanoids, plus missing time. And they reported all this to the military. It was taken seriously. And there were many interviews with the Hills, but they didn't, like I say, go public for two years because bits of clues were coming together, like their clothing was, was ripped. There was weird powder on her dress. There was marks on the car that when they went near it with a compass, it would go mad. He had ulcer conditions. She had nightmares recurring. Awful. He felt there was something wrong with his genitalia, but when he looked, there was nothing there. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, not bags. I'm not going to talk about them today, but it was only after the hypnotism session with a psychiatrist and neurologist called Benjamin Simon that their true story came tumbling out and it's wild. So you think that's the first one, but actually before that there was Adamski and a guy called Antonio Villas Boas. Okay. I'm going to quickly run down about Adamski because I don't want to talk about him today and I think we've discussed him before. He is a Polish US immigrant called George Adamski and it was in the late 40s, that magical time of UFOs, where he took countless photos of flying saucers but they were dismissed as fakes by J. Allen Hynek. That was his name, yes. Aidan Gillen, from Project Blue Book. Then in 1952, Adamski claimed to have met and conversed with an alien from Venus in a Californian desert using a combination of hand gestures and mental telepathy. So many books and audiences with royalty and allegedly the Pope telling tales of Venusian space trips and secrets told to him by aliens, of which he could only share a few with the rest of the world, but not everybody, were told. Mm -hmm. So he had a career making books. A lot of people believed him. No one had ever heard these stories before. Vested interest when he's making dollar off it. The thing with my guy, he never made any money off off it. Jesse Marcel Sr. Not yet. Well, yeah. Once his documentary is out, he might. So Arthur C. Clarke, our favourite science fiction guy and famous predictor of the future and co-writer of 2001 A Space Odyssey, he not only denounced Adamski's work but also said that anyone who believed in him were nitwits. (laughs) Nitwits. So that brings me on to my final piece of information I want to share with you today which is from Wikipedia and other sources there is a guy called Antonio Villas-Boas who I mentioned earlier Mm. in 1957 so this is 10 years after Roswell and all the first sighted reported UFOs this is a Brazilian farmer he claimed to be abducted by aliens in what was really the first to get the world's attention 10 years before no not 10 years before some years a few years before the hills. (laughs) So a lot of people did believe this to be a hoax. But again, like all of the people we're talking about today, he stuck to his story until his death in 1991. So Boas got in touch with a Brazilian journalist called Joao. How do you say this? Joao Martins? Joao. Joao. After he put out a call for stories of alien abduction in 1957. But this is after he covered a story of two Venezuelan teenagers escaping after fighting off two small hairy aliens in a forest (laughs) after seeing a spacecraft. And this all happened in 1952. I love that they were hairy. (laughs) I know. They've not been hairy before, apart from Alf. He gets everywhere, that Alf. Alf is another species altogether. (laughs) So this journalist is now doing a story. He wants to know, has anyone else seen anything like this? Boas tells him that when he was 23, he was working on a farm 
in the night mm-hmm. because it was so, so hot in the day. And while he was plowing the field, he saw a red star in the sky which approached him and grew in size until he could make out this egg-shaped aerial craft with red lights at the front and a rotating dome on top. This craft then landed in the field, extending three legs to stabilise itself, a bit like moon landings. <laughs> a bit like my uni. What's your uni? Oh, the best pizza oven in the world. Oh, okay. So poor old Boas at this point is shitting his pants. He tried to run away on his tractor, but after a short distance, the lights and the engine died, so he had to jump off and run for it. But despite this, Michelle, he was captured by little tiny five feet aliens. Always five feet. Five feet, except for when they're hairy like Alf. And the other one, oh yeah, the, the ones with no shoulders and carrot ears and stuff, they and were no five neck. feet. <laughs> so these ones were wearing a grey onesie and a helmet and they had oh. small blue eyes and communicated by barking and yelping. Suddenly more oh. of these creatures arrived and they dragged him inside the craft. And once inside, he was stripped naked and completely covered in a strange gel. Then he was led into a large semicircular room through a doorway that had strange red symbols written all over it. And Boaz said that he memorised and was later able to draw them for investigators. Now, I'm wondering how similar they are to the hieroglyphics you spoke about on all of the alien bits and bobs. So at this point, aliens took samples of blood from Boaz's chin and then took him to a third room and left him here for about half an hour. So during this time, some kind of gas was pumped into the room, which made him really sick. And then Mm. shortly after this, so basically I think they were just purging him, because shortly after this, he was joined in the room by another humanoid. But this one was more attractive and appeared to be female. And she was still five feet, but she had a small pointed chin and large blue cat-like eyes she had long white hair but her underarms and pubic hair were bright red well why was he looking at her pubes because she was naked she naked yes and then they went and had sex oh my god alien sex do you know what i feel like i've heard this before it's very famous so they had sex and then he did remember that during the time she didn't ever kiss him but she did nip him on the chin so the chin seems to be quite an exciting place for these aliens so when it was Mm. all over she smiled at Boaz rubbed her belly and gestured up to the heavens which Boaz believed meant she was going to have a baby and raise the child in space he also noted that she seemed to be relieved when the deed was done leaving him feeling (laughs) very used and that like he was being used <laughs> used for, just for his services to alien kind and this made him a little bit angry he thought you just stolen my sperm exactly used and abused to me but at least they had the decency at this point to give him back his clothes and a little tour around the spaceship and bus money home <laughs> But before that happened, just like any visitor to Buckingham Palace, he attempted to take a device like a clock to prove he was there. But they found out and they took it back. So he had no proof. The creatures then let him off and he watched the ship take off before realising that four hours had passed. All that in only four hours. I know. Gosh, whirlwind. So after relaying this story to the journalist and then being examined by doctors, they believed it to be a hoax. But... The doctor did notice signs that Boaz had radiation sickness, such as nausea and bruising. He had burning Mm. sensations in the eye and skin that was painful to the touch. So did it happen? Did it happen? Well, something happened. He later became a lawyer and, like I said, absolutely never swayed from his story 
till the day he died. So that sounds quite far fetched. Basically, sex with a hot alien. Yeah. It sounds like every dude's sci fi fantasy, but it is interesting that he's never come out before he died. He's never come out. No, that he never came out to say, yeah, I just fucking made that up. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Or, or do you believe the lie so much that you make it mm. into your truth? Yeah. I don't know. Or do you feel like you've painted yourself into a corner where you're like, I have to just keep going with this I just just run with this lie or did it happen I guess neither of us will ever know Michelle nor any of our eavesdroppers no. until the date happens to us or it's on the news you want to have sex with an alien no uh, <laughs> not sex god no until the day we see something bizarre that we can't yeah. explain by that I mean nothing like a flying not a flying saucer, a star, like a shooting star, more like mm. something bizarre drawing shapes in the sky. I mean, there was something that happened during Roswell. Was it Roswell or Area 51? Where they were apparently loads of mechanical looking bodies falling from the sky. But that was actually part of the experiment that the US military right. were doing. There were these dummies covered in this latex skin and they were trying to, they say, they were trying to see, you know, what damage would be done to soldiers if they had dropped from a certain height. But why would they go to the trouble of building an aluminium-style dummy and then cover it in this thin latex-style skin? It's weird. Yeah, but a lot of that shit doesn't add up. Like, the military were doing all sorts of fucked up things. We'll never get to the bottom of it. And... Even though a lot of those redacted files have now been declassified, I still don't necessarily believe that that shit's the truth. I don't put any stock in the fact that those documents are truthful. Yeah. Even though they were redacted and now available. I think it's one of those things, like, and we've said it a thousand times this episode, we don't know, we'll probably never know. No, we won't. And people like Bob Lazar, who apparently did work on Area 51 and various other reverse engineering things, who have come out and whistleblown. If it was true, Bob, sorry, but he's been completely denounced. Discredited. Discredited, exactly. I love the idea of aliens. I, w- I wouldn't mind seeing one. I've seen weird things in the sky here. I know what I saw. But do I? Do you, do I actually don't know what I saw. That's the whole thing. I saw something. God knows what it was. Yeah. At the end of the day, it just gives me great joy to talk about and think about aliens. I don't know why. And that was our 101st episode, Michelle. Well done. I know. Good. Well done to us. <laughs> <laughs> and that just leaves us with one more thing to say. And that is wherever you are. Whatever you do. Just, Just keep eavesdropping. 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 Eavesdropping.